There we go. Okay. Shalom Aleichem. I welcome all of you to the class that we have been doing for, it's been quite some time now that we've been into this, and it just continues on and on because there's more and more to it. Basically, we are climbing the ladder, or as I would actually like to put it, really changing the way we think before we can begin to climb the ladder. We literally have to uh, work on the way we think and the way we view the world and and how it comes to us and how it emanates to us from Hashem and how he is he is bringing everything to us and and he is really doing everything and then our responses and uh, our actions actually as as the great Ramchal would say it our our thoughts our speech and our deeds we are either moving everything we are we are pushing everything either to the side of uncleanness or we are pushing it to the side of holiness and this is uh, the idea of cause and effect and as a result uh, we make great changes we're the ones who we're the wild card in other words mankind human beings we're the wild card in the whole system and because it's our decisions because our free will and our free choices that we we're the ones who influence the universe to either be less are more forgiving less are more friendly all of those kind of things anyway we have been working on climbing the ladder and beginning to change the way we think and we have been based uh, basically our text we've used two of them mainly a wonderful nice little translation of uh, Rabbi Yehuda Lev Ashlags. he was known as the Baal HaSulam the master or the owner of the ladder and uh, a great great Kabbalistic rabbi of the late 19th and 20th century and um, but but uh, a wonderful translation uh, in a in a small sefer a small book entitled in the shadow of the ladder a translation I think by uh, let me look and see by uh, Mark and Yadidya Cohen and just of two sections actually of just excerpts from two sections that of some of Rabbi Yehuda Lev Ashlag's work uh, the first part was the introduction to the Zohar uh, the study of the Zohar, which we have already accomplished. We've already finished that. And we've been in the introduction now to the study of the Ten Sefirot for quite some time now. And if you've noticed, we haven't really talked much about Sefirot. It's all because we have to have a different way of thinking before we can even begin and get into the study. Now, we can't recap everything that we've done from the very beginning, but we have to stop occasionally and just remind ourselves of exactly what's going on. And I want to I want to just remind ourselves here uh, in this in this small slide that's up, and I, it may be too small for everyone to see, but it, to, in order to get it all on the screen, this is the way I had to do it. But you remember Rabbi uh, Ashlag or the Baal Hasulam? He spent a considerable considerable amount of time showing us that uh, he makes an unbelievable statement where he says in one place he says. All of our suffering, all of the pain and the suffering that we perceive is due only because we don't understand correctly the divine providence of Hashem, God's divine providence. And so he talked and laid out for us the four ways that we per perceive Hashem's divine providence. And in uh, moving from a stage of concealment where in the beginning in double concealment, uh, then moving to a stage of single concealment, then the opening of our eyes in the Torah. And by the way, the only way we can move from stage to stage here is by doing work in the Torah, study in the Torah, and practice of the Torah. 
And then we move, he mentions this is the first stage of the conditional love of God. And then from opening our eyes in the Torah, we have a revelation of Hashem's face. First, the first stage in the transformation of the fear of sin. Not the fear of punishment, but the fear of sin. This moves us to the second stage of conditional love of God. Then it moves us again to the first stage of unconditional love of God. Then the revelation of Hashem's face in transformation of, from the love of God bringing us to the last and the second stage of the unconditional love of Hashem, which means that God is good, period, and he does good, only good, to both the evildoer and the good person alike. Uh, and that's, that's, a hard, that's a hard thing for so many people to swallow, but to tell you the truth, the, the most exalted level of understanding Hashem's providence for us, or for anyone, or for the entire world, is that level where God is good. He is only good and can only do good. And he does good to the, both the evildoer and the good alike. So we are working on this. Is, this is the idea of Rabbi Yashlag uh, of climbing this ladder, of moving from double concealment to moving to single concealment. And you remember, double concealment simply means period. And he's going to talk about it more tonight uh, in the lesson tonight. But it simply means we don't see Hashem's, we, we think he's an absentee landlord. We think he put the universe into motion, and then he just and he took a nice vacation, and he left uh, he left all kinds of things, you know, running on their own. And even worse, some people think that uh, that he practically left it in control of some uh, big angel who's not a nice person, and uh, who is causing all kinds of problems and everything else. And you know, uh, this is not this is not the Jewish way of thinking. This is not the way of the sages of the Torah, the sages of Israel. This is just not the way they look at the world. Then, through work and through and through really God giving you, He really gives each stage of this. Even though we learned, you know, when we were together last the last time, we learned very very clearly, and we went through all of that uh, the subjects of of how uh, Rabbi Yitzhak in the Talmud he says he says if someone comes to you and says and says, I worked, but I didn't find, don't believe them. If someone comes to you and says, I didn't work, but nonetheless I found, don't believe them. Only believe the person who says, I worked, and I found, and subsequently I found. And and uh, the Baha Sulam, his son, Rabbi Baruch Ashlag, the Rabash, he led us into a great, great uh, understanding, I hope, of uh, what that meant. And, and it meant the bottom line of that whole lesson that we did before was number one to understand not to give up when we are in these up and down situations one day we have it together and one day we see Hashem in everything and one day we can we realize that everything's coming from him and then we mess up and the next day we're we're almost back in the day, stage of double concealment again it doesn't even look like he's involved in the world and we're constantly going back and forth at like a benoni of in between person and so don't give up. That's, that was one of the things that we learned from the Rabash. And the second thing was is that it does not take a person of extraordinary talent. It doesn't take a special person to be able to do this, to be able to come to the level of what, uh, in the language of the sages, is a tzaddik gamul, a completed tzaddik, a completed, I don't know how to translate tzaddik. It's usually translated righteous person. But this is a very, very poor translation into English because a tzaddik is much more than that. 
a person who cleaves at all time, who at all time is is uh, it's the idea of devakut, uh, of being glued to Hashem, who at all times is, is cleaving to God. Anyway, he those two things. Number one, don't give up, and that it does take hard work, and that at the same time, the finding of this, when we find, is when we move up a stage in this in this ladder when we move up a stage in this understanding of divine providence and we and we really feel it and we know it and it's a part of us and so don't give up and the second thing is you don't have to be some kind of super talented super spiritual person to be able to do it the same rules work the same rules that the Baha Sulam is laying out for us they work for anybody uh, no matter if they have, if they were born with extraordinary spiritual connections already, or extraordinary talents and concentration and intellect and and all of those and and willpower, all of those things, or somebody who is more like me and many times has no willpower, uh, and many many times is just uh, just uh, as as uh, the Rabash was talking. I've felt that way so many times where he says, you know, you see you've done all this hard work and now you see you suddenly you fall and you're in a worse, you think you're in a worse place than you were before. And you just say, this is this is not the way for me. I can't do it. I can't do it. And the Rabash is telling us that we can. That's what we looked at the last time. Now, we want to pick up with the Baal Hasulam. If you have the book in the shadow of the ladder, we're on page 164, actually beginning in paragraph 99. And we want to pick up where he wants to take us from there. He wants to talk about, for a little while, Torah for its own sake. Now, before we start, y'all y'all may have to forgive me tonight. I don't think I'll have to leave early. It all depends if my cell phone goes off or not. Uh, I'm, I'm in a little funny situation this week. Uh, my absolutely wonderful wife abandoned me for this whole week <laughs> at a, some national teachers conference in uh, Dallas, Texas. And left me at home by myself. Well, not exactly by myself. We, I still have one. I have one daughter left uh, in the house, and uh, who is a teenager, but who can't drive yet. So as a result, I found out that uh, my whole purpose in life, as far as she is concerned, is to be a taxi. And uh, this is what I. She she is uh, into all kinds of things, and so so hopefully we will escape her summons. Okay, that's what we'll try to do. And uh, I can't wait for her mother to get home. <laughs> okay. Anyway, back to the Baal HaSulam. Let's let's get back to the real world. What what really is going on, and uh, and how to understand this world. So he wants to talk about what it means Torah for its own sake. Now remember, we have already understood him. <laughs> I understand, Linda. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I'm I'm in such unfamiliar territory in my wife's world, though. I'm like a uh, I'm just stepping on landmines, right, right and left. But anyway, it'll be all right. I only have to survive a few more days. So. <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, we remember that Rabbi Ashlag has already defined for us actually what is Torah for its own sake. Uh, it it actually is the way we begin every lesson, uh, talking about how a person who comes to study Torah, if they are studying it for just what they can get out of it. In other words, for their own benefit. And this is another major teaching of the Baal HaSulam. It's the thing that separates us from Hashem. And we have to remind ourselves of this daily. That thing is the will to receive for yourself alone. And that everything in life and everything in the Torah 
is all designed for us, our souls, on the soul level. And this is why I can actually teach this to you, is because whether we are Jews, whether we are B'nai Noach, uh, Jews or non-Jews, we still have something, there's a level of in, being in common on the soul level. And the same thing as a Jew, the same thing that separates me from Hashem is the same thing that separates you. And that is the will to receive for yourself alone. And that everything in life, all of our time here, even the, the, even the simple fact that Hashem put our soul in a body to spend a lifetime here, however long or short that may be, it's all designed to transform that will to receive for yourself alone. And this is, and this is what the Torah is for. Uh, we have the Yetzirah, we have the evil inclination. And this I also identify it as the will to receive for yourself alone. Because this, to tell you the truth, if we, if we analyze every evil in the world, that is the source of every evil. This will to receive for yourself alone. And uh, so we are here with the Torah, and God gives us the Torah, he says, as the antidote to the poison of the Yetzirah, of the evil inclination. So it's this work in the Torah and it requires effort, it requires study. But if I come to the Torah and I am studying it just for what I'm going to benefit, just so that I can be a wonderful teacher, okay, or just so that I'm going to get a reward, I know there's a reward for the mitzvot, I know there's a reward for keeping the commandments. It's not in this world, but uh, if, I'm, if I'm just thinking that I'm just, uh, you know, just adding to my own personal bank account, in the in the olam haba in the world to come that in and of itself is not going to change me not even one bit and and that is not what it means for its own sake and so he already showed us this transformation of the will to receive for your own sake for your own self into a will to receive in order to share in order to share two ways in order to give benefit to other people for their sake and in order to please Hashem, and these are the, the concepts of, of what? Of love Hashem your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your resources. And the second one is the horizontal uh, outreach of that, to love your neighbor like yourself. It's, all, it's about sharing. That's exactly what it's about. Now, so he, he has already identified for us what does it mean to study Torah for its own sake. We study it. Because it makes our Father in Heaven happy. <laughs> it pleases Him that we are studying it. And not that we are studying it so that we are going to gain some kind of benefit. Other than the fact that we make Him happy. We please Him when we study it. So, this is where he wants to begin in paragraph 99. After he has went through this whole idea of proving to us and showing to us that effort is required that we do have to make the effort as we have spoken over a couple of weeks now or, a couple, or the last couple of lessons. So he says, from what we have clarified, we may now understand the sage's statement that one who practices Torah not for its own sake, remember, not, not just to please Hashem, in other words, then his Torah becomes a drug of death for him. Wow, that is some extremely heavy language unbelievably heavy language that the Torah can actually become a drug of death it can it can be something that that uh, kills us unbelievable let's go on and now he says also he says we can understand the dis there's the, this discussion in the Zohar the Holy Zohar the one of the 
probably I guess the main text of Kabbalah, that says, surely you are a God who conceals himself. And quoting from Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 15. But then the Zohar tells us that where does Hashem conceal himself? He conceals himself in the Torah. It's absolutely unbelievable. He said, we pointed out that it would make sense. He said, we've already pointed out. We talked about this a little before, uh, about 50 paragraphs ago. He says, we pointed out it would make more sense to say, on the contrary, that it's in the trivial and the empty things of this world that are outside of the Torah that Hashem conceals himself. And it's actually in the Torah that he reveals himself. He said, and at that time, he, he said, we also asked, what benefit do we gain from the fact that Hashem conceals himself in order that we should find him? So now he is asking more questions, and this is, this is uh, the Baal HaSulam's method of teaching, is uh, to ask questions and then, and then answer those questions. And we see it's not always a simple thing. But do we get his point here? Here's this deal. The, the, the sages say, and this is in the, in, the, in the Talmud, in Tanit 7a, they say, that if a person practices Torah, not for its own sake, if a person is practicing Torah just for their own benefit, if they're not practicing, either studying or practicing Torah in order to please Hashem, then that Torah that they acquire, everything they get, can become a drug of death. Tied into this is, is this discussion in the Zohar that says, surely, quoting from Isaiah 45:15, that says, Surely you are a God who conceals himself. And then the Zohar makes this unbelievable statement that God conceals himself. We would think he conceals himself, and we know that he, and we know that he is, by the way. He is concealed. Uh, my rabbi talks about, uh, and I've told you this probably many times, but it's always a good thing to remember, that uh, you know all the material of the universe, the entire universe, everything that we can comprehend in the physical universe, uh, he says, Hashem is the original invisible man. And the only way, for those of you who can remember the old invisible man movies, uh, the only way anyone actually ever sees the invisible man, you know, is if he's wrapped in, uh, in uh, gauze or if he has on his overcoat. And uh, my rabbi, Rabbi Chaim Richman, always, always makes that statement that the universe, the phys- meaning the physical universe itself, it's the overcoat for Hashem our God. And because he's the original invisible man, meaning that we can, that Hashem is concealed also, he is concealed uh, in, in the physical universe. Uh, that's, that's an amazing thing. Uh, that, that's, that explains so many, many wonderful things on how people who have never come in contact with the Torah uh, still come to the conclusion that there is one God. And it's they do it through just observation of the universe that is around them. And because Hashem reveals himself, that's interesting, he reveals himself in the universe. But anyway, so we would think that would be our th- first thought, though. At least that would be my first thought, just like it's the Baal HaSulams. Because surely when I am studying Torah, I am studying the Word of God, this is where Hashem is revealed. So how does the Zohar come across and tell us that God conceals him it doesn't say God reveals himself in Torah it says God conceals himself in Torah not only that he says why does he do that anyway because everything he does is for our benefit okay so why does he conceal himself and he already answered it 
in order that we should find him. That's why. Anyway, let's go on. Okay, Rabbi Ashlag, uh, the Baal HaSulam, wants to build a case here. He says, we can see from what we have already explained that the concealment whereby Hashem hides himself in order that people may search for him, what does that actually refer to? It refers to the hiding of his face that he conducts with his creatures according to the two modes of double and single concealment, or, or single concealment and concealment within concealment. Now that's making a reference back to our perception of divine providence. Do we see how that fits in? A person who is not a Bible person, a person who is not a Torah person, uh, they they many times have this this idea of, of double concealment, concealment within concealment. Things happen to them every day. They think it's luck. They think it's a coincidence. They think it's an accident. Uh, they think it's maybe good luck, maybe bad luck. And they don't really see Hashem in any of it. And they never realize, they never realize that everything that they have and everything that happens with them is really coming from Him. And then there's the idea of single concealment where now we're at the point where, well, maybe we, maybe we think that's God. I hear that all the time, you know, that, oh, this such and such and such, that was a God thing. I'm telling you, when you come to the level of the revelation of God's face, everything is a God thing. Absolutely everything. There's nothing that's not a God thing, okay? Uh, when they say that's a God thing, they mean, you know, here, once in a blue moon, Hashem, Hashem interjects. He, he actually comes to our rescue, or He actually does something in the world. That's single concealment also. And even then, we're not sure. It's like what Rabbi Ashlag said. He, it says, we see our friend, but we can only see his back. And we think it's our friend, but we're not completely sure because we can't see his face. He says, the Zohar, back to the Baal HaSulam, the Zohar informs us, and it absolutely insists, that it should not even cross our minds that Hashem wants us to remain with this perception of ours, which sees His divine providence in the aspect of concealment of His face from His creatures. Absolutely, Hashem doesn't want us to stay there. He doesn't like us to be in that place. So it is, uh, rather he says, it is like a man who purposely hides, he hides on purpose just so his friend will look for him and find him. And so it is with God. When he conducts himself with his creatures, he says, in this aspect of concealment, it is only because he wants people to desire, to want the revelation of his face. And we know those that seek him will find him. And then they will find him. In fact, he says, there is no other entry, there is no other route, there's no other door for the creatures, meaning created beings like us, to come to merit the light of the face of the living king unless his dealings with them begin with concealment of his face. And he concludes in this paragraph, he says, all concealment, therefore, all concealment of Hashem is just a preparation. It's merely a preparation for the revelation of His face because this is what He wants. So people come and ask. They come and ask uh, very profound questions. At least they think they are profound, saying, you know, well, you know, if God's really out there, why doesn't He show Himself? Why doesn't He do something? 
<coughs> why you know why does he let this happen? Why does he let that happen? Or why why does he or the idea of why does he conceal himself? Well, number one, the Kabbalists tell us from the very beginning that if Hashem did not conceal himself at least to some extent, in other words, if we could actually perceive, and really this is what this is about, is coming to a level of perception where we understand and know just exactly how present Hashem is with us here and just exactly how involved He is in this world and in our life. And, and so the Kabbalists come and tell us that if Hashem did not conceal Himself to some extent, not, they're not talking about in the Torah here, they're talking about in the world around us, if He wasn't concealed to some extent, then man, a human being, would no longer have either free choice or free will. What do they mean by that? They mean that if we actually understood and could perceive God and He and He was revealed to us as He as He actually is here, we would never in our wildest dreams think of going against Him, of going against His advice, of not following a commandment, of thinking of thinking a bad thought, of saying a bad word of any of those things, we would have absolutely no free choice and as a result would not have free will. Even now the great rabbis tell us that the only real free will that we actually have, and we've talked about this also, is whether or not we will decide to keep his commandments, whether we take his advice for our life or not. So what Rabbi Ashlag is trying to tell us here is that what when the Zohar is talking about about Hashem being concealed in the Torah. It refers to the hiding of his face. In other words, that we don't have, we're unable to see his face. We're in a, either in a double or a single mode of concealment in our understanding of divine providence. And then that the Zohar insists that Hashem doesn't want us to remain with that perception uh, uh, that divine providence is totally in concealment. And then he comes out with this unbelievable statement at the end of that, that all concealment, the only reason Hashem does this in the first place, it's merely a preparation for the revelation of His face. You know, even when I hear people say things like what we were saying, you know, well, if you know, if God was really here, or, or if there was really a God, uh, why He doesn't show Himself, all of those things. You know, my personal, I don't get angry, because that person is simply voicing their desire <laughs> for the revelation of His face. They may not actually even know it, but in their frustration, and to be in double concealment, and even to be in single concealment, is an extremely frustrating place to be. And their frustration at being in that concealment of his face, they voice it in ways with such chutzpah. I mean, it's just unbelievable chutzpah, some, some of the things that people say, uh, say about this. But even that, that level of frustration, that is there is even it's an expression, if you will, of their own yearning for Hashem, their own their soul's yearning. That that little speck of divine soul that He put in them is yearning for the revelation to bring that person to the revelation of His face. And you know, I uh, every time I hear something like that or or see it in print or anything else, I always think to myself, if they just keep it up. Keep it up, even in frustration, keep it up, because if you keep it up, Hashem will show himself to you. He really will.
And so uh, I, I don't I don't get so angry about things. At one, at one point in my life, it would make me a little crazy when I heard people say that, but now now it doesn't anymore because they're just expressing the desire of their soul. Okay, now let's go on and try to understand these things before we actually do run out of time. <laughs> okay, he says this is what is meant by God concealing Himself in Torah. Now, let's get it. I'll I'll go very slowly. A person feels suffering and pain during the time of concealment of God's face. Now, you know what that means. Now, some people think that that means, okay, so if we understand divine providence and, and the revelation of God's face, even at the level of transformation of our will to receive transformation from the fear of sin, if we uh, not not the fear of punishment, that's a totally different thing, but the but just from uh, or the level of the fear of sin, which is actually based on an understanding, we finally understand the damage, the unbelievable damage that that sin actually causes, and so we have a fear of it. We don't want to do that. We don't want to cause that damage. But even here, even even here, people think sometimes, okay, if I can get to that level. Then there'll be no more suffering for me. Then there'll be no more pain for me. Well, <laughs> that's true. It doesn't mean that you might not get sick. That's not what that means. It doesn't mean that your loved ones might not get sick and die on you, uh, or suffer their own problems. And in uh, any time they do, if you're close to them, you are also feeling it. It doesn't mean it that way. It doesn't mean that suddenly all suffering and pain, in other words, there's no more bad in the world and there's no more disease and any of that, at least not at this point. There's lots of things to do and a lot of work to do before we come there, but it, we will come there to that kind of a point. But it means that, that your level of understanding now is that if suffering does come, it's actually for your benefit. And there's not the same level of pain anymore. There's not the same level even of suffering anymore. In fact, the Baal HaSulam says it really doesn't even, in the long run, it doesn't even qualify as suffering and pain anymore because now you understand that whatever it is, that Hashem is in absolutely control and that everything He is doing is for our benefit, for the benefit of His creation and, 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 uh, and for the benefit of His children. And we, we're at the level now of where God is good and he does only good both to the evildoer and the good person alike. And, and that level of understanding can totally turn around. This is what the Baal HaSulam is trying to say, I think. It, it can totally turn around our experiences of suffering. But, you know, the Baal HaSulam, let's look at him. The Baal HaSulam, this unbelievable sage, and he really was unbelievable, uh, he suffered... I would say, all his life. He was one of the most poverty-stricken great rabbis that there ever was. He, uh, he, he begged and borrowed just for paper and pen to write down his thoughts and to try to get some of these things that he wrote published. And most of the things weren't published until after his death, uh, which is the way it happens many, many times. But anyway, but he never... Because of his level of understanding divine providence, 
He never considered that. He never considered the fact that he didn't have food to put on his table to feed either himself or his family. He never considered the fact that he didn't have two pennies to rub together in his pocket. He never considered that as suffering. Uh, it's just a different level of understanding. That's what's going on. Okay. So he says, let's get, let's understand that this is what is meant by Hashem concealing himself in Torah. I'll start over because I didn't mean to jump out and, and, and chase that. But a person feels suffering and pain during the time of concealment of God's face. Absolutely. However, now this blows you away. This really, this what he's fixing to say really can get us. However, one cannot compare the situation of a of a person who has many sins and who has only a few good deeds and who knows little of Torah. He doesn't even know Torah. To that of a person who has acquired much Torah and performed many good deeds. The first person. In other words, the person who has little Torah, the one with little or no Torah, is much more capable of justifying God's actions. Why? In that he or she realizes that in some measure, they were the cause of their own suffering. They still see things as suffering, okay? But they realize that it's probably because of something I said, or something I thought, or God forbid, something that I did. And they're able, they're more, what does that mean, justifying God's actions? In other words, of when something bad happens, when you wreck your car, okay, this, this person with little or no Torah is more capable of justifying God's action, meaning even the sense that they blame it just on bad luck. <laughs> Do you think you wreck your car, that Hashem is not involved in it? Of course he is. That's the idea. Absolutely he is. Everything is coming to us from him. Now it's coming through our kinds of, uh, because we're the wild card, remember, and, and, and all of this. But what the Baal HaSalam is trying to tell us is, is to, to realize this. These people are able to justify God's actions by blaming it on something else. Or by saying in this case what he says because they realize that they caused their own suffering. Well, I deserved it. I deserved that to happen. And now he tells us a person with much Torah, a person who is a real student of Torah, finds it extremely hard to justify Hashem, seeing that in his or her own opinion, he or she is not deserving of such afflictions. And not only this, but they see other people who are much inferior to themselves. In other words, they're not nearly on the spiritual level that they are. Suffering less. They don't suffer at all. And he said, just as it is written, and he quotes from Tehillim 73.12, uh, Psalm 73.12, Behold, these are the wicked. They are always at ease, and they increase in riches. And a person, he says, then feels that all the efforts to cleanse himself or herself have been in vain. Why am I doing this hard work? Why am, I, why am I studying Torah? Why am I practicing Torah? Why am I not eating like I want to? <laughs> okay? Why do I have to uh, not uh, do this? And why do I have to do that? And all of these things. When this stuff is still coming to me, not only that, it's coming more to me than it is a person who doesn't even know anything. Who's not even spiritually connected at all. Whee. Sound familiar? I've heard this so many times, uh, ex exactly this situation, 
exactly these circumstances so so many many times let's go on we're going to find out a little bit paradoxically he says thus we see paradoxically that as long as a person the reason we feel that way and the reason in uh, the reason uh, a person who is a, really a spiritual person and is really trying to do what's right and is really studying the Torah uh, and yet they look at their you know their neighbor who gets drunk six nights out of the week and nothing's happening to them and all kinds of things are happening to you all of those kinds of things so paradoxically he says as long as a person has not yet merited to perceive divine providence according to the aspect of the revelation of Hashem's face it seems that the Torah that he or she has learned and the many mitzvot that he or she have done that they actually have the opposite effect they make the concealment of God's face much worse thus he says it is written in the Holy Zohar Hashem conceals himself in Torah do you see what he's saying wow what he's saying is you know this person and they haven't number one we, we learned previously they haven't done enough of the required work yet they haven't done the hard spiritual work yet not the real hard spiritual work obviously they are studying Torah for what they can get out of it ah ah big change here they're studying Torah why from the perspective of the will to receive for themselves alone in other words oh okay you know if I do this for God then surely he'll take care of me in this and he'll do this for me and he'll do that for me this is uh, this is totally this is the wrong thing this is the idea of when it becomes a drug of death to you instead of a potion of life in other words Hashem you're studying the Torah but you haven't found Hashem in it yet you haven't come to the point where you where you see where you understand where you know that Hashem is everything or in other words everything is coming from him and that we shouldn't be this self-centered person we shouldn't be on this working strictly from this level of the will to receive for ourselves alone which is like a little child uh, even worse and uh, and and so until that is that Hashem is concealed, we can't even, we don't even see Him. We think we are seeing Him, we think we know Him, we think we are close to Him, and yet He is still. There is a level of concealment, even in when we read and study the Holy Torah, because we're not, we haven't come to that point. We haven't done the hard work. We haven't merited to come to the place where He. Then, as the Baal HaSulam says, gives us, graces us, graces us to perceive his face or to perceive divine providence from one of the levels of the revelation of Hashem's face. And this is the same situation we were taught that the Rabash last week was talking about, where it seems that all this Torah we've learned, it actually makes the concealment worse. Let him go on. I have to find my place because I got carried away as usual. Uh, he says, but in truth, this greater weight that a person feels because of the Torah, in other words, even that greater level, we, we suffer more. 
uh, in that case, we're studying Torah. We're not doing it for its own sake. We're doing it for what we can get out of it. And we think we're on the right track, and we're trying to, we're trying to do right, but we're still thinking. We're not thinking correctly. We haven't, we haven't perceived him at all. And, and that makes a greater weight on us. Oh, Hashem, how could you let this happen? How could you do that to me? How could you let the Satan do this or that to me? Okay? That's what I, what I often hear. He says that greater weight is really only a wake-up call. It is the Holy Torah, he says. The Holy Torah itself is calling to us. He says it's calling to the person through those experiences, telling him or telling her to wake up as fast as possible and to hurry up, get on with the program, put the required effort into their spiritual work in order to come to the place where Hashem graces them with the revelation of his face. He says, and the Baal HaSulam says, and this is what God himself wants. He wants this more than anything else, that we put in the required effort, that we do it from the right, from the right motivation, from the right kavanah, from the right intention. And then Rabbi Ashlag puts a stamp in. Any time a sage says something like this, it means he has just covered something that is very, very important. It's all true. I was about to say very, very true, but everything they are writing is all true. But this is a truth that is very, very important because we'll go along in the days to come and we think tonight, oh, while Sam is explaining it, oh, goodness, I have it. I, I understand exactly what he's saying. And tomorrow we can forget it and we can, be, we can be flopping around again, back and forth, up and down, suffering. So Rabbi Ashlag says, understand this thoroughly. That when we feel this great weight and a real weight of frustration that, and we feel things aren't going our way <laughs> and we're having, uh, you know, or, or we're being punished or, or whatever. He says this is the Holy Torah itself calling us to wake up. Wake up. Stop practicing and studying Torah for your sake. Stop doing it for what you can get out of it for yourself. Do it in order to please Hashem and put in the required effort into this spiritual work. And he says, and understand this thoroughly. Then you come to the point. You will come to the point because remember what he said. And I think this is the key. This is the key to so many, everything in this whole series that we are doing. Those, what does Hashem tell us? Those who seek me, they will find me. This is this is a uh, this is more than a promise. It's just it's a statement of fact. If we seek him in the correct way, we have to seek him where he can be found. <laughs> we have to seek him. You don't seek somebody who, by the way, who's out in the open. You are trying to find. He's playing hide and seek. He's concealed in the Torah. And if we seek him, we will find him. And, and the Baal Hasulam says, understand this thoroughly. Now. I'm not completely sure if I had time. Oh, yeah, we did. I can't see. I can't even remember my own notes that I made. Okay. Let's try to go on. Just a, uh, my goodness, I've been too long-winded. We're already running out of time. So let me try to at least finish out to where the notes are. But I hope th I hope this is being helpful, and I hope we're, we're trying to really get a hold of it and really committing ourselves that we'll try to, we'll try to put in this effort. We'll try to put in the spiritual work. Okay. For this reason, he says, it is written that the Torah of one who learns not for its own sake, not just to please Hashem, that it becomes a drug of death for that person. 
Not only does that person never leave the state of concealment of God's face, you'll never get out of it, in order to come to the revelation of God's face, he says, as after all, he or she didn't put their attention into the effort. They didn't put in the required effort to merit Torah. But the more Torah they acquire, it seems, oh, oh and I, I hate to say this, but I've had, I've had live classes of people that I've dealt with uh, in class basis, uh, you know, for many years. And this perfectly describes them. Uh, they, they just can't get it. Uh, <laughs> they didn't put their, their attention into the effort to merit Torah. And the more Torah they acquire, the more Hashem becomes concealed for them. Until, he says, they fall into double concealment. And he says, and double concealment is a form. Now remember, all of our, this is, this, this is very Kabbalistic language here. We have forms. We have affinity of forms, likeness of forms, those kind of things. And he says double concealment is actually a form of spiritual death. People who are walking around thinking that Hashem is not connected to the universe, thinking that he is an absentee landlord, thinking that, that he has nothing to do with us, and they don't see him in anything whatsoever, and everything is just coincidence, or everything is just good or bad luck, or even the fact that there's a big... That, that there may be a force in the universe, but they perceive it as an evil force. This double concealment is a form of spiritual death, the Baal HaSalam says. And in that state, <coughs> excuse me, in that state, they are completely cut off from their root, and, and we'll explain that, and the Torah has become a drug of death for them. I'm sure most of you who have been in the class for a long period of time know what it means to be cut off from their root. He is talking about the root of their own, their nephesh, their own soul, okay? Because of the, the, the nephesh, uh, every, everything, remember, all the spiritual, the roots, it's like an upside-down tree. The roots of the tree are in the upper worlds, and the branches of the tree manifest in the physical world down here. And the nephesh is the lowest level of the soul. Its upper root is what? Ruach. The next one, the next upper root is neshama. The next one is Chaya, and the next one is Yechida. So that we have these five levels of a soul. And what Rabbi Ashlag is saying is if, is if your nefesh, that lowest level here in your body, if it is in double concealment, then it is completely cut off from its spiritual root. And, it, and it's, 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 it's a form of spiritual death. It's unbelievable. Okay, let's go on. With this in mind, he says, we can clarify two adjectives that are associated with the Torah. Adjective number one, revealed Torah. And what he means by this is the written, the Tanakh, what is written in the Mishnah, even though Mishnah and Gemara are actually what's called Torah Shebe'al Peh. The Tanakh is in the, in the Torah, the written Torah is Torah Shebe'al the Torah that is written. And then we have Torah Shebe'al Peh, the Torah that, that, that uh, comes from the mouth, uh, uh, and it's the oral Torah, which is the Mishnah, the Gemara, the Midrashim, and, and also even Kabbalah. Uh, but here he's not actually talking about this. Revealed Torah he's talking about in this sense, whether it's, whether it's written Torah or whether it's oral Torah, is that that is written down for us, okay, that we can read. And we think we understand what we are reading. Of course, we don't. We actually we don't. What he's going to tell us, but we can read it. 
that's the revealed Torah. And then there is the concealed Torah. And the concealed Torah is Kabbalah. Kabbalah, what, remember what it means? It simply means received. It's been identified as mysticism, all of these other things. But it just means something we receive. All right? And he wants to talk about this. He wants to talk about the nature of the concealed Torah. Why do we need, why do we need to understand that? Why, why is to understand uh, Torah Nistar, uh, the concealed Torah, the Kabbalah, why is, why is that even important for us? Uh, he said, plus, and why do we need it? Why do we need it? Also, why is not all of the Torah revealed? Okay? He says, here there is a very deep intention. Now, when he says something, again, he's a sage, the Baal HaSulam, and when he says something like that, it means he's fixing to begin to cover something. <coughs> Excuse me. He's about to, to begin to cover something that, is of the, that, again, is of the utmost importance and that he is, and that he is very, uh, he really wants us to have this, okay? The notion, he says, of concealed or secret Torah, the secrets of the Torah, hints at the fact that Hashem conceals himself in Torah. He says, as we have already explained, for this reason, this part of Torah, the Kabbalah, is called concealed. And the revealed aspect of Torah, meaning Tanakh, Mishnah, Talmud, Gemara, Midrashim, it is so called because Hashem becomes revealed through the study of those works, okay? We, uh, we, we can get an understanding of him. Now, for this reason, he says, the Kabbalist said, oh, I thought I clicked it. Let's see. Oh, here we go. Okay. For this reason, he says, the Kabbalist said, and then he says, and by the way, just, in, just, just for your information, this is also found in the prayer book of the, of the Gaon of Vilna, the Vilna Gaon, uh, that a person's attainment of Torah begins in concealment. That is to say, he says, with the study of Kabbalah. Ah, we, we would understand it, most of us, the other way around. We have to learn the simple meaning, right? We have to learn the literal meaning. What is the literal simple meaning of the text, the Peshat level? Uh, what is that before we can even begin to go into, to proceed into something like Kabbalah? The secrets of the text the concealed, the things that's going on um, uh, in the heavens, the things that's going on in the spiritual worlds, and how that's connected to the text. All of that should come last because that takes more. He says that is actually not what the sages have said. And if we understand them that way, we're not understanding them correctly. Because all of the Kabbalists, and even the Siddur of the Vilna Gaon, says that a person's attainment of Torah begins in concealment. That is to say, with the study of Kabbalah. That's where we need to begin. And it ends with understanding the simple meaning of the Torah. The revealed text Rem ends with understanding the Peshat level. So, he says, through putting all of one's efforts first into the study of concealed Torah, which is Kabbalah, a person comes to understand the revealed Torah. So a person should begin his or her study with what? The concealed Torah, the Kabbalah. And then when he or she is worthy, they end up really understanding the meaning of the revealed Torah. 
That's absolutely unbelievably amazing what he just said. He's completely, totally turned everything on its head. I've been teaching Torah for I don't know how many years now, a very long time. We'll just say a very long time. And and uh, what he said just now, from my own experience in teaching mainly non-Jewish audiences, is 100% correct. Why is it? Why does it need to be? I'll tell you the secret right now because that's the reason. That's the reason I'm teaching this uh, this entire course on Noahide Nations uh, is because until as we started this program, until we change the way we think, we can study and study and study, and we can still be in double or single concealment. We don't get it. We do, and we're not studying Torah for its own sake. We don't get it. If we come first and understand a Kabbalistic understanding of how the universes operate, get a Kabbalistic understanding of how, and these, in other words, a concealed Torah understanding of how the universe exists and how it operates and how divine providence operates, then all of a sudden, then when we go to the Peshat meaning of the text, the simple meaning of the text, the literal meaning, we see it in a, in a, on a level we never even begin to think about seeing it before. So, Beginning with the concealed Torah, and I know many, many people would not agree with me at all. Uh, if they don't agree with me, they also don't agree with any of the great Kabbalists, or even the Gaon of Vilna. That's who's backing this up, and that's no small name. So begin with the concealed Torah, and when worthy, end in understanding the meaning of revealed Torah. Now, I don't mean to tell you by that, and see, some people misunderstand me, and they go and they begin to buy every book on Kabbalah they can find. And if you don't have a teacher, now this is something that's important, you need to have someone to bounce things off of and to ask questions of and to present it to you in the correct manner. And no matter how well a book is written, it's often not presented in the correct manner. Our, 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 our own ideas our own ideas tend to mess us up <laughs> because, we, because we don't have the experience in it. So it's absolutely essential that you have a qualified teacher of Kabbalah to help you with this, but don't run away from the Kabbalah. Absolutely not. Let's finish his idea concerning love for Hashem, and this is where we will, this is where we will finish. Actually, actually, wait just one moment. I think actually we'll finish with the idea that we just finished with, and we'll start here where we are, where on the slide that we're on now, on arriving at the first level of the love for God, which is conditional. Uh, how can that be? He says, how can you do it when the reward for the mitzvot is not given in Olam Hazay, this world? Uh, and, and he'll take us on. There's more and more for us to do. Let me find my pen so we can mark our spot. Now, also let me look at the calendar in the few minutes that we have remaining. I think uh, next Wednesday, yes, I, I won't be with you on Noahide Nations next Wednesday. Unfortunately, I, I have another commitment always on the second, usually on the second Monday, unless the high holy days, you know, interrupt us like last month. And then I, I have to warn you, we'll only probably get a couple more in, probably on the 19th and uh, I think the 26th of November before I leave for Israel for a few weeks. Uh, I'll try to let you know when, uh, when I think I'll be back with God's help, and, and we'll have the next class, so we'll have to take a, a small break. So next week we won't be together, not on the 12th of November, but well, I'll be back with you on the 19th, okay, for at least a, uh, that week and the next. 
let me just mark myself here where I don't mess myself up and do something else. Okay, November the 19th. Okay, let's let's stop right there. We we've we've come we we covered a lot of territory tonight, and uh, and I hope it was helpful. Uh, I want to say uh, shalom uvracha to each and every one of you, and toda raba for being in the class. Thank you so much. I'm about to return to my chauffeur duties. I'm uh, I'm sure I have several things I have to do, and probably immediately. And uh, anyway, I'm trying. I'm really trying to get sympathy from you, but uh, I can see it's not working with any of the women at all. So uh, anyway, Todaraba, Thank everyone so very very much, and uh, I will see you uh, uh, in two weeks. Okay, okay. And uh, Shalom uvrakat to you. Peace and a blessing.